Hey, Lauren, welcome to the Casually Profound series on the Size Eyes podcast. Welcome in, listeners. Um, we're at this beautiful Javesca Coffee. This opened up, I think, within the last month. So I think this is the first podcast. Um, well, we'll say it's the first podcast that's being hosted in this space. The space is so cool. Yeah. It's only 10 minutes. Only 10 minutes 10 from... 10 minutes from me. Yeah. So it's, it's amazing. So thank you again for, for being on the show and on the Casually Profound series. I have a feeling this is going to be a totally unique podcast experience. <laughs> I am too. Yeah. I am too. Um, well, I love to start off with something that we're grateful for. Mm -hmm. So is there anything that comes to mind? It's so funny. My husband and I had a kid-free night last night. They're spending the night at the grandparents. And so we went to the gym together, and then we went and had a drink, just at a little dive, like burger place in Port Mill. And we were talking about our kids. And my husband, he'll kill me for saying this on a podcast, but he started bawling. Like we're sitting there, we're just waiting for our food. And we had heard about um, one of his high school friends has a daughter who's very ill. And so he was sharing that story with me. And then he, his eyes just welled up and he's like, we're so lucky. We have two daughters that are healthy, beautiful, wonderful. And we forget that sometimes because one's a teenager and can be very defiant and like, you know, is not into mommy right now, not a great listener. And the little one can be fussy. And we're like, why don't they eat their vegetable? Like we're mad at them sometimes. And we're like, what's wrong with us? We have these beautiful daughters. So we're both like weeping at this dive bar last night. Just be like, we're so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> and I, um, real talk, like Sean and I have been having some deep financial talks lately about our future because in some ways we're doing well and in other ways we're behind. Like, we're like, oh my God, our, like, I haven't really in my business been saving enough for retirement. And so he's like, you realize like, we got to fix this, right? Um, we have two daughters. They have no wedding funds. Our college fund is not where it needs. So basically we're just like, whoa, we need to step this shit up a notch. Um, and we were stressed. And what I said to him is I was like, Sean, everything works out for the Widricks, which is a phrase that we say all the time. Everything works out for the Widrick. So everything we've ever been stressed out about, and we have, we've been through some shit, always works out. And so I think it's imprinting that like law of expectation, like everything works out for the Widrick. So whenever we're spiraling about something, like the finances, we were spiraling the other night, and I'm like, it's going to work out. So I'm just grateful for that. Our lives feel kind of like blessed in a way, but I think it's that law of expectation. I'm just very grateful for, <laughs> very, like recent conversation to healthy, wonderful daughters. Mm, that's beautiful. It's really good that um, I think I we met because what, what I've been grateful for is community, mm -hmm. right? Community through the squad, yep. um, community through um, like men's groups that I've been a part of recently, community of other coaches, other business owners, solopreneurs and community of just like friends and really grateful for the time in Charlotte that I've had yeah. um, the last three years. And I feel like I'm only getting to press the accelerator now. Um, and so it'll be interesting when I go back home for a few few months, and, but hopefully to come back only a, a hiatus, yeah. right? Um, but yeah, I've just been really grateful for community and I think now I truly understand what it takes to at least be a part of a community that I want to be a part of. Not necessarily, I hadn't necessarily felt that before. And so I think that's what I'm really grateful for. I'm grateful to have you in my community because you remember how we met? You came to a conference that we hosted last year or 2021. I don't remember. We hosted a conference a while back. Um, and I love Sai. He shows up. He's the only man in the room of like 40 women. Right? I think you were the yeah, only Yeah, yeah. And because you still use a picture of like us toasting, like for yes. promoting the squad. Yep. And I'm like, all right, there's me. <laughs> what was that like for you? Was that weird or did it was cool? Yeah. So when I talk about each other, people, I'm like, this is very cool. This yeah. is like, it's very different, very unique from every other situation that I've been in from a networking standpoint, a community standpoint. Because it's usually it's, you know, it's mixed or maybe, you know, mostly male. Yep. Um, and this was like, okay, this, there's a different energy, a different vibe that I really dig. So I'm like, okay, this is, I need to know who the people are here and mm -hmm. get to be a part of their mission. It would have been very easy for you to be like, this is all women, right? Everyone's older than me, <laughs> you know, 
just a little bit of like this this doesn't match my demographic but you dove right in and you joined the squad and the squad is not intentionally all millennial women it just kind of tends to be that way because that's what i am and i tend to attract it but i know what that's like when i worked in banking i worked in investment banking technology for 13 years i was often the only woman in the room definitely 10 to 20 years younger than everybody uh, uh you know dressed and appeared different than a lot of people so i know what that's like to kind of be the only one of something in the room and that and you and i i think have this in common because there are a lot of women that will like shy away from that and feel almost like victimized by that. I used to love that shit. I used to love it. I don't know why, like walking in this like young little blonde woman with something to say in the room, like people did listen, you know? So I think there's two ways you can approach these things, which is like lean back or lean in. I guess I'm quoting Sheryl Sandberg, but lean, lean the hell in. And you did that. You joined the squad and like, what a year. I mean, we had an amazing year together. You've oh yeah transformed your life look at what you've created yeah and yeah and i didn't know you know these series of steps along the way one dot connecting to another so it's it's been an amazing journey and it's mm -hmm. yeah it's only been i think that was march 2022 so it's like less than a year and a half, within 18 months so it's crazy you know what i appreciate about you and i think we have in common is like you have a very strong logical left brain did you tell me once you majored in what was your major in college math, math. that's what i thought okay so you majored in math, I majored in information systems, but we're also spiritual and like right-brained and into the universe and manifestation and all of these things. And there's not, sometimes those don't exist in the same person. Do you ever feel like those sides of you compete? They do. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily compete, um, but I, th I think they work together, right? I think they, I view it more as like blending. A blending. Um, uh, a blending of, of those two <laughs> things. Yep. Um, yeah, I think I think a perfect way to actually show that is to do a quick little visualization of our yes uh, of this conversation. <laughs> we we've already you know dug in here, but I'd love to um, continue laying the intention for this conversation and continue digging into that question more. I love that. I've never done this on a podcast. <laughs> perfect. First it makes time. me like excited and nervous. Well, well, hopefully we're <laughs> relaxed by the end of it. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna uncross cool. my legs and yeah. sit comfortable awesome. and okay cool uh, can take a couple of deep breaths <sighs> getting deeper and more still with each breath Feeling relaxed physically from the top of our head all the way to the tips of our toes. Feeling grounded, centered, and relaxed. From this place of stillness, and serenity. Let's picture at the end of this conversation as we're leaving and exiting through the doors. What an amazing conversation we just had. One that we will remember for the rest of our lives. Ideas shared that we've never shared before. Thoughts had that we've never had before. And things that we learn about each other and ourselves. Just soak in that moment for a quick second.
And when we're ready, we can slowly open our eyes and come back to the present moment. Well, that was wonderful. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Perfect. I, I needed that. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. So I know we already kind of dug in, but I guess one question I wanted to ask is, who do others think Lauren Woodrick is? Okay. That's a good profound question. Um, I think people see me as a badass. It's a word I use a lot. Leader, somebody who does big things, does bold things is authentic, has a freak flag hanging out. I hope that's what other people see. Uh, that's my brand, certainly. Um, I don't know, the question makes me like, how do I answer this without sounding arrogant? <laughs> Please. Um, I get a lot of messages from people, old friends, new followers on Instagram, whatever, that are like, damn. Like when I run into somebody I haven't seen in a few months, they're like, I see you killing it all over the place. And my honest answer is good. I'm glad it appears that way because behind the scenes, I don't always feel that way. You know? Mm. Is, is that like imposter syndrome? Is that um, like all the goals that you want to achieve, but then like you're still, you know, you check some off, but then you're still, there's still some left to be unchecked. Yeah. It's the never enough. I don't know if it's imposter syndrome. I know a lot of people experience that. I don't think I experience that very much. Um, in fact, I almost have like false bravado. I'm like, I'm the shit. Like I'm almost the opposite of imposter syndrome, but my accomplishments are never enough. And when I was in coach training, so I spent a year in coach training and 99% of the coach training is us being coached, right? They teach you the techniques, they gave you the workbook, but we, they turned us inside out, like personally. And so what they revealed about me is like, you have never enough syndrome you could make $10 million and you'd still be like, I suck, or it's never enough. What's next? What's next? What's next? You're, you're never satisfied in the present. And so people see me like winning these awards in Charlotte or hosting these events or whatever is happening. And they're like, damn, you're killing it. And I'm like, no, I'm not because my revenue goal didn't get met last month. Or this client didn't resign with me and they, they must not like me. And you know, like there's a lot of um, insecurity a lot more insecurity than people probably realize. Mm. And that's very like nervous to admit. I told you before we started the podcast, um, I'm gonna try and say some things I've never said before on this podcast and just be really freaking honest with people. I am a badass and I do a lot of cool shit, but I spend a lot of time in insecurity and indecision and looking to others for validation and things like that. Mm. That, that shit is real. Yeah, where do you think that like stems from? I don't know. That question's been asked mm. in the coach training program, in therapy. Um, in fact, in coach training program, we had a whole month based on like healing past traumas. And I was sitting with these people in New York. There were 20 of us in the class. And these people had some traumas, like capital T shit happened to them. I had a pretty idyllic, you know, suburban, white, upper middle class childhood. Like, I don't have anything that I would call trauma. But I have like a thing that's made me weird my whole life. So when I was little, I was a, like a baby genius. <laughs> I could read when I was two. Um, I could do like, I remember my dad teaching me like trigonometry when I was five or six. Like I kind of had, and my dad has that brain too. So I had this like kind of fascinating brain to the point where it was like a bit of a party trick. My parents would be like, look what she can do. And so by the time I got to kindergarten, first, second, third grade, this was in California. Um, they tapped me to go to like a special school for the gifted and talented. So I was to go into fourth grade into this school for like all gifted kids or whatever. It didn't end up happening because we moved. But during that time, I was like a weird kid because if I got anything wrong, I would melt down. So like there's a famous story from, not famous, like a often told story from my childhood. <laughs> not a famous story. Um, not yet. When, when I did, yeah, it's about to be. <laughs> I've never told I've never yeah. told anybody this before, but it was um, Sally Strike, Sammy Spare. So I was in bumper bowling league, and I could not freaking get a Sally Strike or a Sammy Spare, or whatever they were called. And I cried for like weeks. My parents were like, "Who cares? Who cares? It's bowling." And I was like, "So I have to get it right. I have to get it right." So I think there's a little bit of like 
my parents didn't do anything wrong, but I think I was probably so richly rewarded for being smart that when I wasn't smart, I felt like the world's biggest failure. So I'm not calling that trauma, but it's a patterning that was like, oh, look how smart she is. And that was my identity. That, when I look at my adulthood, my corporate life, why I was so fucked up when I got fired, so fucked up when I got fired, way more than somebody should have been. I think it maybe comes back to like that identity. And the funny thing is, so I was supposed to go to that special school. My dad got a new job. We moved to Ohio instead. And so I went to a normal school and my like genius levels kind of leveled out. I was an A student, but I'm not like a genius anymore. Like it was just, I was just advanced for being a child. <laughs> I'm not like a genius, um, but it seemed that way when I was young. Mm. Yeah, I can, I can relate to that. Really? Yeah. It, yeah, because I think, or not I think, I, yeah, like I started playing chess when I was like four years old. Um, wow. And I did, I did too. Actually. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, see? <laughs> we, we have, but four, like, yeah. My, my six-year-old beats me at chess. Yeah. So I think she has it too. Wow, it's that, that's amazing because I, yeah, and then I would, you know, play, I, I mean, there's like the gifted programs at school and yeah. stuff, right? So like, I mean, but that was, you know, dozens of people in that, so you weren't like distinguished. But even with, within that, um, you know, at least younger and young, at younger ages, like I stood out, but mm -hmm. then as you get older, there's more and more people. It's almost like athletics as well. Right. It's like yeah. you stand out at the beginning and then as you get to high school, college, pro, everyone was the guy or the girl yes. on their teams. And now it's like, OK, how do you fit in um, to that? Because I was semi-tangent, but I was watching a documentary lately. Um, it was on the NBA G League. Um, so like the NBA, obviously, like the main 30 teams that are there. And then it's like kind of like the minor league um, for the NBA. And they're like starting that up. Um, the like last few years or rebranding it. And so like all these people who are good enough, they're maybe the 500th best player in the world. But the difference between that and like the top 300 who are in the league is, is so small. Yeah. Like someone could score 40 in those small leagues, um, but then be have to be a role player or like a bench player for like five minutes on like a championship winning team in the NBA. All right. So it's like, it's crazy to see how, like what you're saying about academically, Yep. how that translates over to like sports as well. I am not a sports person. I don't watch sports, but I am addicted to sports documentaries for the reason you just described. That's fascinating to me. And getting into the mind, like I, I just binged this um, documentary on Netflix called Quarterback. And again, I don't watch football. Like on Sundays, everyone's watching the Panthers. I just go somewhere else. Like I don't care. But getting into the heads of these three quarterbacks, and they were all very different. Like, one of them was Patrick Mahomes. And then it was Kirk Cousins and Marcus Mariota, yeah. I think. Um, never heard of Kirk and Marcus before. So they're all very different. Uh, but getting into their mindset and how they study and how they think and how they approach the game and how, like, Kirk Cousins. I was talking to my coach about this yesterday, actually. I was like, I need to be Kirk Cousins. Like, I want to come back in the fourth quarter. Like, you know, this year has been awesome. But I'm also beating myself up for certain revenue goals that are missed. So I'm like, I'm going to come back. And if Kirk Cousins comes back every time, the Vikings always come back. Like, and I'm, I'm like, who am I? I hate sports. Why am I using a football analogy? <laughs> but the, the, the mind, I call it goat documentaries. I watched the golf one too, uh, Full Swing or whatever it was called. And again, I don't, I hate golf. I don't care about golf. But just the mindset of winners is very fascinating to me. Mm. Yeah. And, and I, I didn't used to get why people would pay tens of thousands, potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars to see, to sit front row at like sporting events yeah. of like when like a LeBron James comes in town or like a Roger Federer or like, you know, these world-class athletes. Um, but after like looking at that, it's like, okay, I truly appreciate why it's like, like greatness recognizes greatness. If it's like uh, a Ralph Ellison, like CEO of Oracle um, mm -hmm. sits at, you know, fronts, you know, courtside at, you know, watching Federer or Nadal or like top tennis players play, like that's truly, it's, it's crazy to see that. Um, I guess, have you been able to, I guess, is there anything in your life that you've been able to, like who are the people that, who are your mentors, role models that you see, okay, if I can be in their shoes one day, that would be amazing. Yeah. Um, 
there's this woman, she was a personal development leader named Rachel Hollis. She has since been canceled. She was canceled in 2020. So if anybody's listening, they're like, I hate Rachel Hollis. I don't. She has had the business model and the message that I aspire to have. And she was a mom of four kids, married, and you know, a lot's happened. Like she's gotten divorced, but I went to her conference. I went to her conference in 2019 and it was called Rise Business. And it was her and like Trent Shelton, Tom Bilyeu, Amy Porterfield, um, Ed Milet, Dean Graziosi, like Marie Forleo. I mean, ev the best speaker lineup, all my, all my idols were up there on the stage at different points. And that's when I was sitting in that, in that audience, like nosebleed seats of a 6,000 person arena. I was like, I can do this. And I looked at her business and I loved it because she did all the things. She had these events, she had books, she had journals, she had merchandise in Target. Um, she, was, she even was selling clothes on QVC, which is a little weird to me, but like she did all the things. And her messages were not mind blowing. They were just like quit dicking around messages. It was like, look, no excuses. I have four kids, I run a business. And yet I get up and I run in the morning. Nothing she said was mind blowing, but she was embodying her message. So I'm sad she got canceled. Like literally people canceled people who didn't cancel her. Like all those people that I mentioned on stage when Rachel Hollis did her thing that got her canceled. Um, everybody was calling for them to cancel her and then they didn't. So they canceled them and you know, crazy craziness. But I'm going to stand to my guns and be like, I, I kind of want to fill the hole that Rachel left because she had a top 10 podcast, the best, like literally the best conference I've ever been to. And so she's, she's it. Um, I've also hired a new business coach and her whole business is online. Her name is Stephanie Ann Houston. And she has a $12 million a year business doing what I do. And it's just, she makes it so simple. I was telling this to Jessica yesterday. I was like, you know, I need to just take this eight-headed monster that is my business and like simplify it. Because Stephanie's like, this is what I do. I coach my people. I build my brand. So I, she goes on social media every day. Um, and then I sell on my Instagram stories. and like, that's my business. Like, damn, you made it. And she has all the things too, but she makes it sound so simple. Hmm. So two, two mentors right now in my life is like the old Rachel Hollis. I'm very sad that Rachel folded to cancel culture. I wish she would have just like apologized and moved on and kept doing her thing, but she really, she really folded to the cancel culture. Um, and then my current coach, I hired her because she has an aspirational business to me. Hmm. Love that. Yeah. I, yeah. One of the ways that I view role models is, uh, so I have this like concept, it, it started to apply to a lot of different things of like zero, one and infinity. Um, so, and I think when all things feel like zero, one and infinity at the same time, that's when it's like true. So for example, in, in this role model example, I believe that everyone is my role model in some sense. So like the infinity piece where there's like I can take some, at least some aspect of everyone that I meet, whether for five minutes or five years, and so, at least one aspect and learn from them in, in some manner, right? So that's like the infinity. Um, the, the other two is like, I don't believe, like I think my future self is, is a role model, right, as well. Yes. So I think that's, that's the one um, where if who am I trying to become or not even trying, like, who am I becoming? What is my intention that I'm setting? Right. And that's, that's my role model. Like what would the future self do? And that's, you know, do those things. Right. And then in the end, like ultimately, you know, almost no one is a role model as well. Just like do your own thing and just, you know, have your freak flag. Right. Yeah. Just, just wave it around. And so like, that's, that's the kind of the way that I've, I've viewed, the role models, like no one's my role model, everyone is, but also like my future self is. <laughs> I'm obsessed with that, yeah. obsessed with that. When you were talking about your future self, sorry, I got my ADHD distracted me. There's a kid running around the <laughs> coffee shop. Um, 
I read this book. There's an author named John Kehoe, I think is his name. Keith Johns turned me on to him. And he has a book. I think this is from the book Mind Power. It's all about like quantum physics manifestation stuff. Oh my gosh, this kid running by has blue hair. I love it. I love it. Um, but it talks about almost like time jumping. I'm going to butcher this. But basically that you can send messages, like time isn't real, right? It's not the linear thing that we think it is. Um, sometimes the messages and the intuitive hits we get are our future self remembering or talking to us. So you can talk to your future self and you can talk to your past self. So for instance, right now, like I could choose to go back, like one of the biggest traumatic experiences in my life was getting fired, which again, I know that doesn't sound like capital T trauma, but it fucked me up. I could go back to that broken version of myself today, like sitting here with you and send healing back to her. And conversely, I could send a message to my future self, the five years from now, Lauren, and like, it'll be okay. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. an interesting concept, but they, it, and he, he wrote it very well because there was some like quantum physics and particle theory and things to back it up. But isn't that a fascinating concept that like your future you is talking to you? You, you said it, I'm just affirming it, but like, that's so cool. Yeah, it is. Like, how have you practiced? Have you practiced that sort of, um, that talking to your future self piece or any other things that are along those lines? I've tried, um, when I was, in, so I hired a sober coach back in 2019. So I had a sober year, sober 16 months, and I hired a coach to help me do it. She's a psychotherapist, and she worked in treatment centers all over the world. In fact, she worked with Russell Brand to get him sober. So anyway, she, she did some psychotherapy on me, which I've never really done. And she did this exercise called matrix re-imprinting or matrix imprinting or something like that. And she was helping me heal this like trauma around getting fired. And so she took me back to a moment that was particularly like enraging, upsetting for me. It was on a plane with my boss. So we were flying back from Miami and it was like a terrible moment when I think the moment I knew I was going to get fired. And so she was basically like, we're going to recreate that memory. Memories are plastic, apparently. So we're going to go back and we're going to re-imprint a different memory. And so we went back and I visualized myself sort of like sort of it going differently not lying about what happened, but like my emotions in the moment were those of empowerment, detachment, like self-love instead of how I felt in the moment, which was just crushed. <laughs> and so this exercise was, was useful. Um, you know, I know I sound still very traumatized by being fired, but like, I think it helped. I think it made a difference in helping me move on from that. And yeah, it was 20, that happened in 2019, 2020 was like this monster year in my business and my life. And despite the pandemic and everything going on, everything worked out for the Widricks. You know what I mean? So that matrix re-imprinting exercise was fascinating. And I was listening to a Mind Valley podcast yesterday that with a neuroscientist saying the same thing, you, your memories are plastic. You can, um, the podcast was on MDMA therapy for PTSD. And they were like, these people have these very actually traumatic memories and they can be rewired, rewritten by achieving certain mental states with MDMA or otherwise. So long, mm. sorry, long answer, yeah. long tangent, but yeah, I mean, I'm talking about this now wishing I practiced it more because I believe this works. Mm. Yeah, I think that, yeah, that speaks to like how we, like I, me as well, like for sure. I can you know, coach all these people Right. Um, and like talk about this stuff, but like it really comes down to like what, what I practice myself. Right. And, and, and it goes totally it goes in waves as well. But I guess one thing I wanted to ask about was uh, where do you think this this blend of spirituality, you know, left brain, right brain, as you had mentioned earlier, yeah. came from for you? Like, was it around? Um, you like as you're growing up, does it become more uh, ingrained in it in the last few years? Like, talk me through that process. I don't know when the spirituality came in because I, in my 20s, was a smug atheist. I was very certain that all was based in science, and I used to like fight for that reality really hard. Like, I remember I had a, a wonderful coworker at the bank. Um, just a wonderful, sweet dad. 
and we formed a like a tight relationship because he was just like the one nice guy in investment banking. Um, and he took me under his wing and he taught me the technology stuff that I struggled with. So anyway, he and I used to go out for coffee and he would essentially talk to me a lot about Christianity and faith. And I was, my job was just to disprove it and be like, there ain't no proof for that. That makes no logical sense. Like of all the, of all the possible ways this came to be, that seems like one in a bajillion. And I was just a smug atheist about it. And then something shifted and I don't know when, but I think I, I might've read the secret or something just like every freaking basic white woman in America. Like I read the secret or I stumbled across something about manifestation. I was like, huh, okay. This seems like a different angle on all of it. And PS sidebar. Now that I've like studied the Bible and studied manifest, it's, it's all the same. <laughs> it's all the same. It's all the same. Um, it's all faith. Right. Mm. So I don't know. I, I wish I had a clear answer. Like I, I, this one day I discovered manifestation, but like, the left brain of me that has the information science degree and worked in IT and is an entrepreneur and does finances and like that's there. But I believe so hard in the law of attraction and manifestation and quantum physics. I can't even describe it to you. That shit is so real. Yes. <laughs> it's so real. And I was bantering with somebody on LinkedIn yesterday. Um, I wrote something, I wrote this on LinkedIn. I was like, this might be a little woo woo for LinkedIn, but manifestation is real, here's some proof. And then this woman wrote back and she was like, it's not woo woo, it's backed by science. And I was like, fuck yeah, it is. Like, yes, it is. I don't think I answered your question. I think I just waxed on it, but. Yeah, no, that's, no, that's, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, so, so something, yeah, it's so like I've heard, I guess you say, um, woo woo, I've heard Keith say woo woo as well. Yeah. And, you know, other people as well. I guess I, I want to normalize it, right? I think that's part mm. of like what you're saying. Yep. Or I guess normalize not using it in a sense, right? So as in, it, it is backed by science. Basically, going what you yeah. said in the comments, like, hey, we yeah. don't need to use the term to, um, uh, like, I don't know what the word is, but to modify that view, right? Of like, hey, I believe in the spiritual side, I believe in the science side, but I'm gonna say something spiritual, but it's like. It's not science backed, but it's actually it is science backed, right? I don't know if I'm making sense. I feel like somebody sense. said that. So at my conference in January, um, I think I kept like disclaimering what I was about to say. Like I know yeah. this is about to sound woo woo, and then I forget who said it, but somebody stood up and was like, "You don't have to say that," like to me on stage. You don't have to call what you're saying woo woo, and maybe it's a little bit of that like I'm a smart person and I don't want to seem crazy for believing in like magic, <laughs> but I do. Yeah. I do. I need, to, uh, yeah, so sometimes when we're disclaimering what we're about to say, it might be a little bit of like insecurity. Yeah, because- Like, I, hear me uh, out, this is gonna sound crazy, but. But I think it, it speaks to some of the this, this, this stuff that you say in like some of your sales calls or about sales calls is um, the, Actually, you'll say it better than me. The 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 right person and the wrong person and attracting that. Yes. Yeah, so one of my best friends, JJ, taught me this. You can't say the right thing to the wrong person. And you can't say the wrong thing to the right person. Mm. So for instance, if somebody's into you, like let's say you're selling something, if somebody's into you. It doesn't matter what you say. You can flub your words. You can fuck it up. It does not matter. But if somebody's not into you, you could give the most perfect polished pitch on the planet, and they're still going to be like, no. <laughs> And that's not a reflection of you. Right. So I think it, that also applies to like the disclaimering and the stuff on in whatever setting, right? Of like, if, if we're in the room, if they came to see me talk or to see you talk or see, yep. you know, be in that room, I think it's also like they vibe with you for whatever reason, mm -hmm. right? And so it's like the disclaimers, I think, can dilute. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I do that all the time too. It's like, mm -hmm. I had a lot of clauses and stuff before, <laughs> before my sentences. I'm like, say the actual thing, Sai. say the actual thing. Have you um, noticed yourself do that? When I'm aware of it. When I listen back to recordings of myself, I do this like preamble before the sentence. I'm like, look, this is gonna make me sound a certain way. Or like, I don't want you to take this a certain way. And then you say the thing. It's like, just say the thing. Yeah, exactly. Just say the thing Yeah, which I'm working on. It's, um, yeah, I mean, so like, I'd love to learn more about uh, 
the speaking side. Because mm -hmm. is, is, would you say that's one of the things that you really are leaning into and we don't want to speak at these conferences and really be this well-known and impactful speaker? It's the only thing. I've never said that before. It's the only thing. Um, when I when I did my coach training program, they had us do a life vision exercise, as, as you do. And it wasn't a coaching business. It was a speaking business. And then when I sat in 2019 at that conference that I told you about a minute ago, uh, for three days, I cannot explain to you, I felt like God was talking to me and just being like, this, this will be you. And it's not to say I don't love coaching. I don't think it's my ulti ultimate destiny. I think it's to be on these stages and to wake people up and have fun and excite them and do something fresh. Like, and the reason it hasn't popped off sooner is I think a subconscious fear of success because I know, I know in my bones when I lean into this and go for it, it's going to work and I'm going to be a worldwide famous speaker. And that terrifies me for a lot of reasons. So it's the only thing. Mm. I mean, like you say, though, it's like the the things that the the things that make our butt clench yeah. are the the things that we have to go for. Yep. Um, and I I've I saw so I recently had a workshop um, called "Escaping Fears Gravity," like mm. a newsletter as well, and it, it was about that thing. These like feelings, like what is fear? What is the comfort zone? What is our learning zone? What's the danger zone? And and what I really came to is this fear is is really just like gravity holding us down. So like I, I love metaphors and the astronomy as well. And so it's like Earth is like our comfort zone. We're like we're being pulled down by gravity right now. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then the, fe the fear is actually gravity. And then we need the escape velocity to actually move mm. beyond it. So it's not that we need to get rid of fear. It's we can create the internal momentum like a rocket or a satellite or whatever to escape the yeah escape the gravity of fear and then move into the orbit and so like that's in a safe zone that's in, the, in a learning zone i would say and then anything beyond earth's orbit is our you know like asteroids mars the other planets other solar systems it's it's a danger zone where like we're just kind of floating around right it's not like a, a saber-toothed tiger is going to kill you type of fear well, it's danger. kind of fear of the unknown a little it's bit. Like, it's, it's like lost in space. It's lost like in interstellar space. or gravity, right? It's we're just floating around we're like what's going to happen. Like eventually if you're out there for too long, you're probably just going to crumble or whatever happens. Well, yeah. <laughs> Can you see why people don't go for their goals? The, the sheer effort required? Like think about like all the fuel and fire in a rocket ship or whatever to get you past the gravity zone. And then the fear of being lost in space. Like these are the stakes. Right, a massive amount of effort and then being lost in space once you're out there. So I think this is why people shy away from their goals. If they have a purpose for going into space, like why go into space? What's the juice that makes it worth a squeeze? Is it the wonder of the galaxy? Right? Is it discovering new lands? Is it keeping the human species alive? Like when people have a compelling reason to go into space, they'll fucking do it. As we've seen. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's what it's about. Like why do I want to speak? I don't know. It was placed into me. I don't know. Mm. Like but an I, intuitive hit? I think so. Yeah. Like that life vision. And I was, you know, like super pregnant. I was pregnant when I was doing my coach training program and launching my business. I'm like, am I, am I having a hormone craze here? Like, am I really meant to speak on stage? Um, and I am. <laughs> so it's all about being willing to answer the call. And that's what I'm doing, answering this call finally. And sometimes it takes a few years. You know, like I've launched this amazing business. I mean, it's not going anywhere. Coaching and helping people change their lives is, is the call. But I think the format is just, it's, it's a potent way to wake people up in like a day. You know what I mean? Change people's lives in a day. Because that's what these events do for me. I had to been to an event that's like changed everything for you. I mean, or a workshop. Or yeah, like <laughs> the event in March when I went 
uh, last really? year. Yeah. It was, you know, like just being in the room is like, oh, this is possible. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just like understanding that others, oh, because I, you know, I was in the startup world for a few years, but I never like networked. And part of what I was alluding to in the community or what I was grateful for as part of that community is like for me, networking had a negative stigma. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, you hand out business cards and you wear business casual and you shake hands and, you know. Everybody you... needs and wants something from one another. Right, exactly. Like five minutes here, five minutes there. And then. Yep. So it was if. But I guess I, I didn't even do so much of that or I did enough of that to be like, OK, this is not where I want to be because I'm not meeting the people that I want to meet. And so once I was in that room. It was like, oh, these are the people that I want to talk to who are coaches, entrepreneurs doing, yes. doing cool shit. And. I was like, oh, this is how you can network without having it feel like the negative stigma of networking. Yeah, it's fun and it's vibey and people love you. And they're, do you remember the table of people just lit up and you were talking about your life operating system and everybody's like, oh shit, Sai, like that's good. We were all like, yes, it's that. Um, so I guess to clarify my point about speaking on stage, it's not just that, it's my own events. So I, I love speaking on anybody's stage. It's a great way to build audience. It's a great way to hone your craft and meet people and get clients. Like it's it's wonderful, but creating the vortex, that's the ultimate. I'm so glad we're having this talk because it's very clarifying. I'm going to take this back to my coach and be like, Sai, help me figure it out on the podcast. <laughs> this is why I want to do my own events because the vibe is bananas. Like the one you went to in March had 40 people. Our conference in January had 100 people. The one we're having this January will have a couple hundred people. Like it's, it's this, vor I keep calling it this otherworldly vortex of abundance and happiness. Because everyone in the room is just like us. They're left and right brain. They're smart and spiritual. And they don't just want to be one thing. They want to be podcasters and business owners and investors. Like they want to be all the things. And so when you get in a room with people, you're like, oh, I'm not crazy. You know, I, I thought I was crazy for wanting to do 18 things in my life. And I'm not, these people do, and oh, and some of them are doing it. Oh, and some of them can tell me how they did, and some of them can hook me up with connections, like creating that. So the squad is a great representation of that. So the squad is my year-long coaching program. Sai was a member of it for a year. You kind of get that on the regular, but when you're like in a condensed room, like a conference, it, it's nuts. So these conferences have changed my life. That one Rachel Hollis conference beyond changed my life, uh, and I wanna give that to people. And the best part about, I'll tell the story about my conference in January, because we have another one coming up. I also feel like the conference was designed by like the universe. I don't even think I did it. It's crazy because the perfect speakers showed up. They all said yes. The perfect people showed up. Um, the perfect angels showed up to help me create the con. It was like a who not how moment. And I was on stage, there's a video of me saying this. I'm like, I feel like I barely did anything which is not true, we worked our asses off. But I'm like, I don't feel like I did this. We had eight speakers, they took up the majority of the stage time, not me, right? So I'm like, it's, the vortex is real. Mm. And I think this is my, this is why I'm so excited for the event in January, because I'm like, now I've got my first big one out of the way, like just the learning of the food and bev minimum and the parking and like just getting the logistics, that's not a mystery anymore. Now, all I have to do is like create the vibe, just create the vibe. And I'm starting to book speakers and get the right sponsors and get the right advocates and the TV spots and the media appearance. Like it's all like going to manifest. Mm, love that. It's yeah, it's really like I think some would say it's, you know, coincidence or serendipity or yeah. like synchronicity. Right. Um, and so, some people may say it's like like coincidence and like luck. It's like, oh, this is. Mm -hmm. um, I was like, if they didn't necessarily have this, like maybe spiritual lens, then they yep. say it's like, oh, this lucky that things worked out your way, right? Like, oh, you can't plan on that in the future, right? Um, but like, I think I view, I view that concept of luck as more just like a, almost like probability, like probabilistic type of thinking. Yeah. Where it's like networking and expanding our network and the people that we know who can help out is just expanding our surface area of like the who luck, right? And so it's like by putting ourselves out there, be having visibility moments, then, oh, I need an event organizer. I need a food and beverage person. I need a DJ. I need all these people, right? 
and then the who luck you're just like luck is i i view luck then as more of as an input rather than an output i love that i've never heard it said that way you can stack the luck deck right so by putting yourself in rooms being surrounded by a lot of badass who's yeah you're way more likely to for one of them to be your angel on the day you need them to be yeah mm -hmm. love that um something i like to do is um a lot of podcasts have rapid fire stuff uh, i like to go the other way um and do like a proverbial ice bath and i love it so we'll take a you know a few moments here to chill okay um process reflect integrate whatever and then at the end uh, you can ask me a question and we'll keep it going from there okay i'm trying to pick a perfect question and i'm gonna stop doing that i'm gonna <laughs> wait i'm gonna wait <laughs> cool. Anything that comes to mind? Yeah, it came through. <laughs> That's a great idea to do this. <laughs> um, you could teach this. Like, you could literally go into groups of people and teach them the like, the visualization and the ice bath. Like, anyway, sidebar, yeah. <laughs> business idea. Yes. Um, what's your calling? Do you feel you have one? Right now, I think it's writing. Ooh. Yeah. So we'll see how it plays out with AI and stuff. Um, but I think I, my best way of expressing ideas are through words. And I think I also see myself speaking and mm -hmm. holding, I think, workshops. Um, because I really like the aspect of workshops that almost imply and necessitate transformation in others. Mm -hmm. um, because I think speaking definitely does that, and the ideas are put forth. Um, for me specifically, I like workshops because I can have those maybe smaller group sessions, one-on-one -on -one sort of time to be like, hey, let's dig through this stuff. I think you or Jessica or someone mentions like there's different types of coaches, and there's the one who's going to, you know, like be the motivational like shot from the bottom, like, hey, go do it. Yeah. Um, and there's other people who are going to be, you know, walk with you on that track and that hike, right? Um, and I, I see myself more as the, the latter. Yeah, um, yeah. I want to walk, you know, maybe one step ahead or alongside, or maybe even, you know, every like hiking group has like the leader from the front, leader from the back, right? Mm -hmm. And so maybe sometimes I'm the leader from the back, making sure everyone is continuing to move forward. So um, that's a tangent there from the writing, but I think all that is stems from the writing. And writing for me, there's a, a creativity component to it. So I write for creativity. So like very divergent type of thinking. It's like, hey, like, oh, here's an idea that I listened to on a podcast. How can I write the most from that? Like mm -hmm. if I have one, there's guys said one sentence that I resonated with. How can I then journal about it, write about it and create a full page on it? And so I think that's a function of divergent intelligence yeah, yeah. Compared, compared to like conversion intelligence, which is almost our, um, our left brain of like, hey, like the STEM fields, like, hey, there's one answer, like converging to an answer, right? Versus divergence. It's like, oh, like how many uses for a brick are there? Then it's like- Oh, that's it, so interesting. Yeah, so it's like convergence versus divergence. Um, so like that's one sort of writing. Then there's writing for emotional processing so journaling diary yeah. uh, diary writing so like that's another piece of that that gives me clarity to understand my beliefs so i've done the you know some of the the three miq from from vision mm -hmm. um that's been amazing um and actually so tangent there so i did the uh, so i combined the the three miq 
with the lifebook questions from John and Missy Butcher. Oh, nice. So like, I kind of created my own thing. So it's like six, I call it life domain questions. Um, and it's like the experiences and like the beliefs and you know, why do you have those beliefs, et cetera. And I focus specifically within the context of my life domains, um, which are like kind of our buckets for life. Mm -hmm. And for me last year, I did it on the career, career side. Like, what do I believe about my career? Why do I believe it? What experiences do I want in my career? Yep, yep. Why do I want them? And I started at the beginning of the year and it took me the entire year, basically mm. like eight, nine months. And, and I don't think it's a coincidence that I got so much clarity that I started the business, started getting clients throughout that time, like, you know, working with you, uh, joining the squad, stuff like that. As I was understanding my own beliefs and understanding what I wanted to then see the manifestation of it in reality, as I was getting clarity myself, I think that was profound for me. Wow. Yeah. So like, so I think journaling and writing for clarity for myself, but then the action, it, it breeds action. Like mm -hmm. it's, it gives me clarity then drive forward to have that purpose to why do we want to explore space? Here's the reason why. So, um, yeah, emotional processing, um, and, and creativity and really integration as well. Just like, okay, now I've done the action. I've had the experiences. Now, what have I learned to then become a better person or a that future self? Wow. So I think writing to really ex understand who I am and then everything else will follow is what I believe, like the speaking, the workshops, all that, you know, content, stuff like that. But it, it all stems from, from writing. You should go back and re-listen to that, like on a regular basis, everything you just said. The, you, you writing is the portal. So the more you, like you're called to write and you don't necessarily know the exact outcomes it's going to lead you to, but that's the point. That is the point. It's your, it's your way of like dancing with the divine and like processing your emotions, getting downloads, making action plans and non-action plans and just creative shit and some divergent thinking and 20 ways to use a brick. Like that, that's exactly what you should do. And that's going to sound weird and not productive to some other people. There's a lot of people who are going to be like, okay, so I'm just going to, I call it doodle hour. Like in the morning when I journal, I, it's like agenda free journaling. It's like doodle hour. And I'm sure a lot of people will be like, you're a busy woman. Why are you spending an hour doodling? And I'm like, it's the, it's the stuff you just described. It's to get clarity. It's to get downloads. It's to be happy and enjoy it. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's time to do nothing, but also everything. <laughs> it's nothing but everything. Yeah. Yes. It's yeah. I found that yeah. That's a, that's usually the answer for things. It's like nothing and everything. Um, but yeah, is there is there a time that? So you mentioned like the doodle hour, right? Is are any other practices that you have that allow you to lean into more of your future self? Oh yeah, there's a recipe for it. My problem is the discipline to do the recipe all the time. Like I know my recipe. It's um, sobriety or limited alcohol. It is it, like fitness, like pushing myself, not, not just like going on the elliptical for 10 minutes. It's like hardcore fitness, meditation, sex, and a particular diet. <laughs> so these things, when I am doing them, I can explain to you the manifestations that occur. I barely have to do anything else. However, that's a lot, right? Eating clean, working out, going to bed on time, drinking your water, having lots of sex, like that's a full-time job. Or I just said that and I got mad at myself for saying it that way. It's not a full-time job. It's your fucking life. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm in that mode right now. So I'm doing a fitness challenge. I'm doing a 12-week, very hardcore fitness, like hardcore lifting, two workouts a day, all, all the things I just described I'm doing right now. So I know, predictably, give it a two, three, four more weeks, the manifestations will start because that's the recipe. It's kind of like when you know, it's just like anything. We know what works. It's just having the discipline to do it on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit of the James Clear, like atomic habit stuff. If you see your habit, I'm lecturing myself right now, so let's be clear. If you see your habit as a chore or a to-do or a checklist thing, you're always gonna resist it. If, it. if it's seen as like, I don't know, a hassle or whatever. James Clear talks about in Atomic Habits, identity goals. 
right? Like instead of saying, I have to go work out today, being like, I'm a fitness junkie. I love this shit. Like just I changing the way you are. I'm a fitness person. I'm a fitness junkie. I love this. I'm so into fitness. Instead of being like, I'm doing this 12 week challenge. I have to go work out five days a week and it's going to be hard. So I'm verbally processing my own shit right now on your podcast. So thank you for that. Um, <laughs> I need to remind myself that this checklist of living an excellent life is not a hassle right it feels good to eat healthy it feels good to work out it feels good to have sex it feels good to meditate it feels good to doodle like what's the problem <laughs> <laughs> no it's i'm asking myself <laughs> what's the problem when you put it that way i was with my sister in ohio this weekend and we were both like lamenting she's a real estate broker so she started her real estate agent and started her own brokerage she's got 10 agents and we we're both lamenting how hard it is to do all the things how hard it is to exercise and clean and do dishes and drop off kids and do our work and, you know, clean the house. Like all, all, there's never enough time in the day. And as I'm reflecting on my conversation with Lee, that's my sister's name. I'm like, that's bullshit. That's total bullshit. There's, there is enough time in the day. I've done it before. I'm doing it now. Right. Hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. Cause we all have the same amount of time in the day and it's, we have time for the things that we want to do, right? And it's, it's yeah, yeah, I think it comes down to priority, prioritization, discipline, and like desire slash purpose. I think it comes, yes, it's that one. I think it comes down to the stories we tell ourselves. I don't know what made me think of this, but it's why I talked about being a young blonde woman in investment banking. There are a lot of women I worked with and women everywhere that bitch and moan about like the pay gap, the gender pay gap and how hard it is and the old boys club and like all the reasons it sucks to be a woman. I never felt that way. When I was a woman in investment banking, I loved it. I did not feel disempowered. I, and which is why I got off cycle raises. I had a team of 60 people by the time I was 29. Um, I got promoted on maternity leave, not after. Like they called me week six of my maternity leave and they're like, you're coming back to a promotion. I never felt disempowered. I never felt it was a problem. Maybe that was naive. The, the data backs up that it's a problem, but like, didn't touch me. And so I'm gonna take that mentality into the other areas of my life. That story we women especially tell ourselves, like how hard it is to be a working mom and handle the mental load and do, do all things we do. If we tell ourselves how much it sucks, it's gonna suck. But if we're like, this ain't hard, this is what I love about my new business mentor, Stephanie, $12 billion a year coach. She's like, this ain't hard. And so it's not for her. I think the stories we, I'm so glad we had this conversation. This is like therapy for me. Thank you. <laughs> I think the stories we tell ourselves make 100% of the difference. Mm. Something that you mentioned or like connecting the dots here, I think at the beginning was about having conversations about finance as a family. Yeah. Um, obviously don't need to go into specifics, but like, how has that been? Cause I, I think I've seen on calls, some of the, the record, recorded co coaching calls about um, how having those, haven't had those conversations in the past or those, those thoughts, I guess, how has that played out in, in, in the recent times for you? I'm not sure how to relate. I'm not sure how to answer. Let me think for a second. Sure. Yeah. Um, in relation to like the stories we tell ourselves and um yeah okay yeah. okay that's fair that's fair so my husband and i have different philosophies on life kind of which is a good thing he's sort of um how i describe it he's the christmas tree and i'm the lights on the christmas tree right so he's the solid steady like the reason the thing exists then i come in and make it sparkly so we were looking at our finances and we were just like the cold hard numbers are that we're not where we want to be in retirement and college savings, period. Um, and my daughter's 10 and she's going to college in eight years. So we're like, oh God, we need to like actually fix this. Um, I'm the sparkly magical. I'm like, okay, I'll just make like a million dollars in my business next year. And he's like, well, let's look at the trends, right? You're not, if we look at the trends, it probably will be more like a you know, $500,000 a year, not a million. So let's get real with ourselves here. And I'm like, let's not get real with ourselves here. Let's not, let's, let's like manifest this shit. And so he's got sort of the practical, like we need to budget, we need to cut. And I'm like, I'll just go manifest millions of dollars. And 
some of it, the, the reality will lie in the middle, right? Okay, so what stories are we telling ourselves right now to answer your actual question? That we suck because we're behind. Why didn't we think of this sooner? Oh gosh, this is gonna be hard. We're gonna have to aggressively cut spending. And we're telling ourselves these stories that like this is, it's time to buckle, buckle down and save and fix the, fix the mess we've made. That's not a good story, right? Mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for letting me process that. Yeah. Not a great story. Right. It's not a great story. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. Cause I, I've been having more conversations with my family and it, we're still, you know, it's a progress, right. About like finances and especially the background that I come from, it's, you don't really talk about money mm. and it's, yep. um, it's like, it, it's a parental thing. And then, you know, they'll shield you from those conversations or those topics until the time is right. But, oh, okay. you know, but we're adults, like my brother's five years older, like I'm an adult. And so we are starting to have those conversations and like trying to think about our money as a family and not just like, Hey, here's your size money. Here's my yeah. you know, parents money or, you know, from our different jobs, but it's, it's like, all right, here's what's our family goal. What are, what's our family vision. And then how can we allocate that money using our strengths and weaknesses um, of each other yep. um, to then row in the same direction on the boat. And so I think it's, it's, I think it stems from understanding those beliefs, those stories, and then, okay, do, are we actually aware of them? And then how do we, what is our vision? And then how do we rewrite those stories? Um, like you're saying, how do we, that, what you said at the beginning, right, of this conversation, we can rewire ourselves with our neuroplasticity of our brains, yes. right? To yeah. adjust the course of that boat to go to the life vision, right, as a family. You're so right. I'm sitting here thinking, okay, you know, taking it from a money fight, or not a money fight, but like a money, like, oh God, we got to fix this problem. Is like, okay, fabulous. Lauren has a business with upside earning potential. Sean gets bonuses. Um, our kids, and the cool part is, Sai, our kids who are six and 10 were in this conversation. So I was even like crying a little bit at times and you know, Sean's a banker, but he's a commercial lender for a living. So he's just giving me the cold, hard facts. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm emotional about it. But Dylan and Sloan, my daughters, are like in the conversation, which was cool. They're probably too young, but maybe not. Like, And so Dylan is the responsible first child. And she's like, we can cut back on spending. And then Sloan's my little wild child. And she was like, mommy, just get the money up. Just get the money up in your business and we'll be fine. And I was like, yes to all of it. Like, yes to all of it. So there is always opportunity in whatever you're going through, like teaching our kids about finance and decisions and priorities. And, you know, Sean and I were sitting there stack ranking. We're like, okay, what's our number one priority? And he was like, retirement. <laughs> you are not saving enough for retirement in your business. And I'm like, agree. What's number two? Uh, college fund. Cool. Like it was so, we've never like really stack ranked it that hard before. And the kids were there listening and like, it was, yeah. I think there's a lot of opportunity. So like Sloan said, get the money up in your business, mommy. And I'm like, fuck yeah, like, <laughs> cool. Because saving for retirement doesn't turn me on at all. I have no like actual desire to do it until my logical husband is like, well, if you don't, we're going to be broke <laughs> in retirement. <laughs> um, but now I have a why to like show my kids, you know, look, Sloaney, like we did it. We got the money up and we stopped going to Target and out to eat so much. And like, look, we did it as a family. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. Um, especially, I think the the two kids, the older one, I guess, more tending more towards Sean and then yes. the younger one tending more towards That's your true in many ways. Yeah. <laughs> That's just true in many ways. Yeah. Yep. Well, as we wrap up here, um, is there anything else that you would like to share that's on your mind? Well, I want to add you to my gratitude list. Um, I've known you for a year, a year and a half now, and I've never known you like this. And it's so cool to learn how your brain works on a deeper level. Uh, you have a real gift, like guiding through the visualization. I, I felt like I, you remind me of vision. You remind me of vision. I just felt like so instantly at peace. And you just have, you have gifts that maybe I didn't even know about. I knew you were gifted, 
I just getting to experience your gifts real time has been just wonderful. So thank you. Awesome. Yeah. I, I think that's on the list of, uh, I think right below writing is like, I think being some sort of meditation teacher or yeah. you know, something like that. So that's how vision started. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he's, he's one of my role models too. So. Oh, so, totally. Yeah. <laughs> because he's all the things, right? Like he's built this like worldwide technology platform. Um, that's all about spirituality and personal development. And I love, are you, are you a member of Mind Valley? I assume you I are. was. Uh, okay. Yeah. The programs are so varied. They're everything from like fitness and health to like deep meditation. And it's, it's all the things. Yeah. Love that. Nice way to connect all the dots. Yeah. From this conversation. Well, Lauren, it was amazing to have you. Amazing. Um, and hopefully I come back here more. There's, this is an amazing space. This is a great spot. Um, yeah. Thank you again for your time and energy and also getting to know you on a deeper level as well. So appreciate you opening up. Well, it's cool because we said, we set the intention to, I told, I'll end on this, I promise. We're, we're landing the plane. Um, I told Sai, I've been on a million podcasts and I ended up saying the same things, same things. And I'm like, let's not. So this has been really like awesome and weird for me just to talk about like my financial shit and my insecurities and what I really want to do. Like, thank you for that. It's, it's like so different. And I think I needed this conversation more than it's the thing I didn't know I needed, but I think I needed you today. <laughs> so thank <laughs> likewise, you. Likewise. Likewise. <laughs> well, it's been awesome. Um, thank you for listening and watching to another episode of size eyes in the casually profound series. I'll see you next time.